You're listening to the Fantasy Football Astronauts. Wow, I am excited for today's podcast because we have one of my good friends back, Jack Galileo. What's up, dude? Yes, I'm back and I am ready for action. And I don't know if you guys know, but we usually have, um, or we used to have three of us on this podcast. Recently, it's just oh. been two. But today we have our long lost brother, Austin Hot Takes Brooks. He's back, ladies and gentlemen. Almost died from the coronavirus, but he is good to go today. Brooksy, how are you feeling after surviving that attack? Yeah, I saw it. It's, uh, I'm feeling a lot better. I, I, I'm not 100% yet. I'm about 70%, so I'm feeling feeling good. And good enough to uh, be able to appear in court and convict some criminals down in... Uh, I've been oh, traveling yeah. down to Tucson once a week to uh, convict Tucson criminals, uh, or Pima County, technically, criminals. So it's been fun, man. Been good. You're in Pima County. Better look out. Yeah, you better watch out, dude. I hear there's some real skeezers over there in Tucson. A bunch of losers. Just put them in jail, man. Yeah, we call them that, skeezers or niners, whichever one. Yeah. Um, Someone someone, uh, called on their Fifth Amendment right today? Oh yeah, dude. So uh, this is a so Fifth Amendment right is uh, you know you don't have to incriminate yourself before court, right? And so defendants use it all the time, and it's they should. It, it protects your rights, allows you to um, protect yourself from doing something stupid to make yourself get yourself in trouble. But I had a victim do that in a case where he wasn't even in trouble or even being considered to poor trouble. It totally ruined our case today, so I had to dismiss the case. So it was kind of a bummer. It just it was really uh, stupid <laughs> to be quite. Also, also there's like a lot of questionable um, legal standing for him invoking it because it's not it's not even really applicable. But it, it was quite entertaining to me and my nerdy law life. Yes, I'm thrilled with that. Just that was enthralling. Quite exciting. Just here to give you guys incredible legal analysis. That's my job. <clears throat> That's what we're here for, but not really. We're here for the Astronauts Award Show. We're going to go through and uh, give out our awards for the players that deserved them the most this season. We have a couple different awards. We're going to pick from the three and uh, give you give you our, uh, our top players, essentially, um, in each category, and then... We're going to do a little dive back into our preseason rankings and see which astronaut is the best. It was a close one. Not really. Whoever won ran away with it. But, uh, but we'll, we'll take a dive back into actually how our rankings held up over the course of a season and, uh, and see what you guys really got from us. So starting out, we have the most outstanding rookie. The three nominees that we have today are Josh Jacobs, running back for the now Las Vegas Raiders, A.J. Brown, wide receiver for the Tennessee Titans, and Kyler Murray, quarterback for the Arizona Cardinals. Jetpack, who was your most outstanding rookie? Hello. I'm going with Josh Jacobs. 
I think he's a great draft day value. You could probably get him at RB 17 or 18, and he ended up pretty high. Um, so I definitely liked what I saw of him in his first year. They fed him the rock right away, and uh, I thought he definitely uh, proved that he was worthy of the top running back selected. Big fan of Josh Jacobs moving forward. He's only 21 years old, and I love the way John Gruden got him involved early. It's not, uh, it's not the direction I'm going. I'm going to go with A.J. Brown. It took him a little bit a little bit of time, but as soon as he saw a competent quarterback play, he was dominant with the ball in his hands. Um, he's still got a little bit to prove, but breaking 1,000 yards as a rookie wide receiver is something that has not been done very often, um, and he was able to do it. So A.J. Brown, my most outstanding rookie, uh, he's going to be the, the cause of a lot of controversy, a lot of off-season hype. So uh, watch out for that, and we'll, we'll be breaking him down in, in his value as we get closer to draft day. Um, but A.J. Brown was, was lights out this year once he had a good quarterback in uh, Ryan Tannehill. And really the resurgence of, of Ryan Tannehill, um, or the first surgence of Ryan Tannehill. So, um, yep, A.J. Brown, most outstanding rookie for me. Brooks, who you got? So if you guys were going to get a quarterback – and you, I told you I could give you a quarterback that was going to have scored two more fantasy points on the season than Patrick Mahomes. Actually, two less. Two less than Patrick Mahomes. Would you be happy with that selection? Sure would. Well, uh, guess what? Talk guess about last what? year's MVP. Guess what? Kyler Murray scored just two less than Patrick Mahomes. Two less fantasy points on the season. I think, you know, I would have to agree with Jetpack that, in my opinion, the most outstanding rookie was Josh Jacobs. He was absolutely phenomenal. And if you were able to watch the film on him, he's completely dominant. But Kyler Murray really made a – he made an excellent case for, on a, and honestly, a pretty garbage Cardinals team to be the, like, the out, most outstanding rookie because he was able to take nothing and, and create something pretty pretty consistently. Um, being able to turn around certain games that honestly the Cardinals shouldn't have even been able to be in. And also he, he did a great job of protecting the rock. He only had 12 interceptions on the season. Uh, compare that to, uh, you know, Jameis Winston, perhaps. And I mean, I, I think that he's, you know, he, he, for, for someone who is drafted very, very highly, uh, won the Heisman compared to someone else, you know, like, you know, I don't know, Jameis Winston, who's won the Heisman. Uh, he did a very, very good job, and it, it kind of showed that he was worth the draft capital that the Cardinals paid for him, and in my opinion, also a lot better than Josh Rosen. So pretty glad that you ship him off to uh, to Miami for being able to get him. So, yeah, I, I mean, I would say Kyler Murray should be in the talk, but I, I agree with Jetpack, Josh Jacobs all the way. Well, that so, was a, a twist. One of the guys that didn't make the list, Miles Sanders, won a lot of people – their fantasy championships uh, during that stretch in the playoffs. Brooks, give us your buy or sell Miles Sanders. And I'm setting the price at a mid first round pick. Where are you at on this guy? I'd probably sell him for a mid first round pick. Uh, so <clears throat> Miles Sanders, let's talk Miles Sanders for just a second. Okay. Miles Sanders played, I think he played full 16 games, right? Yeah, he played a full 16 games. Okay, He finished behind Josh Jacobs, who only played 13 games. So, it, I don't know. I, 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 you can't hate 
I, I was pretty hard, heavy handed with my critique of Miles Sanders. He did, he's done okay. He's done fine. I think yeah, you actually saw some develop out of, development out of him and improvement in his game. I still think that he has some of the critical issues that I've outlined many times in the show. For those of you that are new, newer listeners, uh, I think he <clears throat> he lacks some awareness and some um, foresight in his running lanes and decision-making whenever he has the ball and he's trying to read running lanes. He tries to be really cute sometimes, uh, and it causes him to miss really, really – he, he's not as efficient as he could be. But I do think that, he, he like I said, he's made the improvements, and that's what resulted in a lot of his fantasy success besides other issues on that roster. So, um yeah, I think you. I, I would be willing to trade him though, and I, it's not. But I wouldn't necessarily say that he's going to fall off. I don't think that it, this is super fluky. The Eagles have a great running offense, and I'm excited to own a piece of that. I just personally don't believe in the talent, but I definitely believe in the opportunity with the Eagles. Jetpack, what are your thoughts on just, him? Yeah, I like to me. He kind of feels like Damian Williams, and I made that comp in the in the middle of the season as far as. You love the offense that he's in, and there are some limitations as far as vision goes or decision making goes. But he's a good athlete, and he can make things happen. And so, like in that range of mid first round pick, I'm happy to hold on to him, um, just because I love the system and I love that they can keep him on the field all three downs if they want to. Um, I, I'm, you know, I'm a little hesitant on what I think they're going to do in terms of adding another back um, with Jordan Howard leaving. But yeah, overall, I'm, I'm happy with Miles Sanders definitely. Um, and I think to me, what helped so much in my future eval is how I'm going to weight vision and how I understand all of that. Um, I probably won't be as heavy as I was because, you know, if your offensive line is elite, then the holes are big enough and you, you can figure it out. And, or if you, you have a special skill set in the passing game, then you can get involved in different ways. And that, I think that's what we saw with miles and, and why he was able to have so much value uh, down the stretch thing that still concerns me uh, about Miles Sanders is he wasn't able to uh, produce and, and outproduce Jordan Howard. Like Jordan Howard, when he was when he was there, and we've talked about this a little bit, Jordan Howard, when he was uh, not injured, took a lot of carries away from Miles Sanders. And um, then when Miles Sanders did produce, it was because there was, uh, there was nobody else in the lineup and they're playing against a weaker schedule. So uh, we mentioned this last week or two weeks ago on the pod when uh, Boston Scott absolutely went off. So um, <clears throat> Miles Sanders is uh, is a guy that you're definitely buying the situation rather than the player. He's explosive, so you love uh, his explosive play ability in that offense. But um, you, you just there's still some question marks there for me moving forward. Um, not that I, not that I don't like him, not that I wouldn't love to have him on my team. Um, but he's not, I'm not like all in on him as, as some other people are. I think, I think you have to look at the context of his production a little bit more. Um, thoughts on, on Miles Sanders. So we had most outstanding rookie, two votes for Josh Jacobs, one vote for AJ Brown, Kyler Murray, an honorable mention there. Uh, how about I don't, our I don't like the way that we oh. presented this last one, Rish. Can we <clears throat> present all of them? Each of us are going to present a candidate, and then we vote at the end. Because I don't like that Jetpack oh, was sure. able to endorse Josh Jacobs like it was his candidate. That's baloney. I, Kyler Murray was not my candidate. It was just somebody that we had in the contentions. And it's unfair for him to present himself as though he was the one saying, 
Josh Jacobs was the most outstanding. I'm sick of it, Jetpack. Get off your high horse. Allow us all to be able to represent these candidates in a neutral manner, and then we'll vote at the end. You stand up again. You know what? Leave it to the lawyer to complain about fairness, you big weenie. Wow. <clears throat> yeah, I know. One for me. We got. We have to have some sort of fairness. Lord knows no, that commissioners, was, these two commissioners will have it otherwise if I don't keep them in check. You know, I was going to give Jetpack the first shot at this next one, but I'll give it to you, Brooks, because of your complaining like typical lawyers do. The second and third year blast off. These are the second, third year breakout players. Um, I know for a fact Brooks hates one of them because he traded him for Darwin Thompson. Yeah, so, so I'm I know skipping that's not that one. So DJ selection. Chark. So my <laughs> candidate is DJ Chark. Uh, it's only funny if you can see the show doc. Uh, so DJ Chark came out of the woodwork, and it, it, you know I'll, I'll give I gotta give Rich credit. Rich was on the Chark train coming out of college. Like he was like, man, DJ Chark is a freak act, athlete. He's going to be incredible. He, he has so many um, intangibles. Uh, you know, he has a lot of potential. And then he got picked up to the Jags and it's like, all right, well, the worst situation possible. But wait, let's get, you know, the Jags. A, I don't know if you would call their quarterback situation this year um, in, incredible, but it's definitely improved. Then give him a better OC. Give him an OC that actually uses the ball through the air for once. Um, yeah, in portals. Uh, so you you take those factors, you add it into Chark's talent, and boom, blast off. Freaking, you know, Jacksonville, pretty close to NASA. Total blast off. I actually don't know where that NASA stays. I don't, is that Cape Canaveral? It's got to be up there, right? We have a NASA facility out in the Bay Area. That's the one I visited the most. Okay, well, I'm talking about the one in Florida, and I'm pretty sure that it's in that area, but I actually don't know. I think I may have visited it as well. Uh, and I also don't actually know where Cape Canaveral is at all. Might be in you know Mississippi. I don't know. But it's in that general area. And let me tell you, DJ Chark like visited it. Made up. He visited it, and he, he was like, yo, add a fuselage onto me. And they said, yes, sir. And he said, yo, add, add, add some rocket fuel. And he, they said, yes, sir. And then they, they lit a match, put it underneath them, and he blasted off this season. DJ Chark, absolute monster. Uh, well over 1,000 yards. Not well over. Just over 1,000 yards. Eight TDs. Started out really hot, too. I think he had like four of his total eight TDs in the first like four or five weeks. So um, really had a hot hand. But I do think he'll be able to be consistent. And I do think that he will continue on this trajectory moving forward. I think there was a certain mustache that aided his uh, second-year blast off. Not my, the whole season, because no, but but but, yeah. but the initial initial rocket fuel start. I think I think you just made that name up, Cape Canaveral. You just started making sounds. I'm gonna I'm gonna mute it and look that up because I gotta know now. It's bothering me. Yeah, sort that out. Sort that out. Uh, so my my uh blast off player, and I think he's a third year guy now. Is DJ was DJ Moore second year? Is this only his second year? What kind of DJ Moore. analyst are you? Oh my gosh, why can't I remember? Um, so <laughs> DJ Moore... <laughs> I'm terrible. I'm a terrible fantasy analyst. Uh, DJ Moore is my uh, his second year uh, player that just really took off. And the weird thing about DJ Moore is that 
he had a thousand yard season, but it was the it was the quietest thousand yard season ever. Like nobody knew that he hit a thousand yards, and you're like, what the DJ Moore really? He how did he do that? And and you nobody saw that. Nobody nobody saw that at all until like after the season was over. So um, it was a very sneaky second year blast off. He did it with a lot of fluctuation at quarterback, very inconsistent quarterback play, um, but he was still able to produce enough to, to break the thousand yards. Um, and I was really, really impressed with him. Um, he did not, he only had four touchdowns, which is a little bit low, but he ended up with 1,100 yards, almost 1,200 yards, um, 87 receptions, 135 targets. So, that was really that was really cool to watch but the more impressive thing is he did that in 15 games right he only he only played in 15 games so i mean add one more game and that's a 1200 yard season that's that's a phenomenal phenomenal stat line and so uh for a situation that you were excited about the player you were excited about his talent um but for him to go from under 800 yards to almost 1,200 yards in 15 games was a huge step forward um, in the middle of a very controversial quarterback room and a very uncertain quarterback situation. Um, so the fact that he was able to do it with Kyle Allen and Will Greer and a banged up Cam not not doing anything for him uh, it was gives me a lot of uh, comfort moving forward with him as well. So um, DJ Moore is my nominee for the second year blast off player. Uh, just, just a really fun season from him. At the beginning of the season, right before Bruce Arians said they were going to give him a hundred balls. They threw him 120 targets and he caught 86 and he had 1300 yards receiving nine touchdowns. Chris Godwin was an absolute revelation in his third year. Uh, finished the year as a wide receiver too. Only played fourteen games. Just a total monster. Um, was that like, scripted? That, I mean, no, that was that just like you wrote pure, it out. unadulterated love for Chris Godwin. Sound like you're reading. He's he's turning twenty four next month, and like the he he could be dynasty wide receiver one at that age. Um, just so prolific, um, and with that offense uh. and, and Bruce Arians running the ship. You got to get excited about what you saw from Chris Godwin. Some people were worried about Mike Evans, but it looks like they can spread the ball around. Um, and Bruce will lead the way. You can put even someone like Jameis Winston back there, and they can make it happen. And that's what I was going to ask. How about the instability at the the quarterback position? Does that worry you at all, as far as any sort of high end dynasty projections for Chris Godwin moving forward? Nope. Not at it all. It doesn't for me either. But I feel like you have to ask the question. Oh sure, um, yeah, yeah. You put a rookie back Thanks. there, it can get worse than Jameis Winston. I'll tell you that. So, the, what you're really buying is you're buying you're buying the talent because he's a good athlete and he's a good player. But you're buying the uh, Bruce Arians offense, right? It doesn't matter who's there at quarterback; they're going to toss the rock, and so he's going to continue to get the volume. And I mean, they showed that that offense can that offense can support two wide receiver ones, which is incredible. There, there aren't a, a, a ton of places that can do that, but this is, this is a passing offense that, that you want Chris Godwin because uh, yeah, I don't, I don't think it, it's going to matter if they have a rookie quarterback, Bruce Arians going to say, all right, 
buck up you man let's 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 throw the ball so the nominees for second third year blast off were chris godwin dj moore and dj chark rich who is your uh who's your vote brooks i know you cannot vote for chris godwin because of your trade history with him you just gave him away like he was a piece of trash but he does have my vote for the second third year blast off chris godwin's my my guy there jetpack chris godwin Make it Chris easy. got one for me as well, so let's, let's stop giving me crap about that bad trade. And let's move on to the biggest busts. Uh, oh. I would love to, to tee this up a little bit because I kind of have the – since we kind of took me down a notch, I got to put myself back up a couple notches <clears throat> with the biggest bust. So my the candidate I'll be presenting is Le'Veon Bell, running back, if you that's what you want to even call it, for – the New York Jets, because I, I say that because he was so dumpster fiery that I, I think, and I actually have to go and check what I had in preseason ranked at, but I know it was in this range. He finished the season as running back 21, only missed a single game. Ew. Ew. 21. People had him as a top five running back this year. And for me, uh, there were so many red flags. Uh, and, and I don't, I don't understand it. I, you know, Lev Bell ends up with 3.2 a carry, 3.2 yards per carry. He only had three rushing TDs on the season. Um, you know, wasn't able to be utilized in the passing game nearly as efficiently as he has in the past, but was still used fairly well. 460 yards. That's that's pretty decent. Um, but for me, I mean, if you were were relying on Lev Bell to really be a consistent uh, low end running back one. You, you made a huge mistake in this draft. He ends up with averaging 9.9 half-point PPR uh, points per game. And that for me, that's just not enough. Barely enough to even be considered a running back two for me. So for me, I think the biggest bust of the year was Le'Veon Bell. He was... I mean, Adam Gase just destroys running backs, apparently. Adam Gase destroys um, everything that's good. Not just unless running backs, is, everything. Unless your name is Jay Ajayi in one season. Jetpack, who is your nomination for biggest bust? Uh, I'm going with Odell Beckham. Uh, that one hurt me hey, bad. Jetpack can't hear you. I, I, can, you can hear me. You must be able to hear me. I can hear you, so continue. Yeah, well, oh, well Odell Beckham was a huge disappointment. Uh, I had him in my elite tier of wide receivers. was really excited about Baker Mayfield taking the next step and um, linking up <laughs> with these guys. And <laughs> what a total disaster. So, yeah, we all know the rest. Um, I, You know, I, I hope they sort out the, the hernia thing. Um, I, I'm not sure. I don't think they decided to do surgery or not. I forget. Um, Was he, and he going to jail anyways in Louisiana? <laughs> but, uh, this season? Yeah, for, for, that legal for him moving forward, I, I'm still excited about you know, him being young and him being a, such a special talent, I think they got to figure it out. Um, but yeah, definitely a disappointment. Um, probably the biggest one for me. Rish, what about you? Well, who's your candidate for biggest bust? So my candidate for biggest bust is James Conner. And this isn't anything to do with who he is as a talent. It is more of his injury proneness. And so you're you're buying James Conner at the back end of the first round, mid mid second round, maybe at the latest, 
and you're really hoping for RB1 production from him. Now, the the Steelers' offense can produce that that RB1 on a points-per-game basis, but James Conner just could not stay healthy. He couldn't stay on the field. There was a shoulder, there was a, a quad, I think, and, and every time he was about to come back, just got knocked right back out. So when he was on the field, he was electric. When he was on the field, he he was he was incredible. You know, I wouldn't but, I wouldn't call him electric. I, I would say um, okay, solid. Like he was he was sufficient, right? Yeah. He was never like the the Steelers' entire offense for the most part of the year was not anywhere near electric. I mean, he had a 145-yard game. Um, he had a lot of receiving yards. He had, he had one game with, with 83 receiving yards, another game with 78 receiving yards. Like, he he was able to make stuff happen in that offense that was abysmal. Yeah, he only had one great rushing game. But the fact that he was able to to take four receptions for 44 yards and finish with 60 yards instead of just 20 on the ground, right? The fact that he was able to to – have uh, 120 scrimmage yards in a game because of his receiving uh, ability. He was he was by far and away the best player on that team when he was on the field, um, or at least the best player on offense. So he he was disappointing um, because he was injured. But I mean, he still averaged four yards a carry, even when you know that the quarterback is is garbage. Um, he averaged he averaged 25 yards receiving a game, and I just thought he played so well when he was on the field for what he had to deal with. But he was only able to to start 10 games. He didn't finish all those games. Um, he, so he only ended up with 116 carries for 464 yards. And this is a guy that you're drafting to really be your RB one. Like if you're if you're getting him, you probably went wide receiver, then running back. You wanted him to be a low-end RB1, mid-range RB1 for you, and he just did not get it done because he was injured. So um, James Conner is my uh, my running back or my my biggest bust of this draft, um, or he's he's my nominee rather. Um, and yeah, you just you just did not get what you wanted from him. And he, he actually it concerns me going forward because it feels like every time he starts to get the volume his body can't handle it. And um, we talk about injury proneness all the time. And, and that's not, um, it's, it's difficult to say, oh, this guy's injury prone when, it, when injuries are so random. But the fact that he has had an AC joint separation concerns me because he is a running back. And so um, if that can't get stabilized, um, he's just going to continue hitting people with his shoulder. That shoulder is going to continue to get uh, banged up, and and so he's not a guy that I love moving forward because um, they have a pretty good running back room, and I just don't well, that's think what he's going to be able to stay on the field. That's exactly what we wanted to talk to you about. So um, I, I'm a big fan of Benny Snell. I know you really liked him whenever he was in Kentucky. Any chance that uh, um, Benny Snell is able to make some headroom in that running back room uh, based on just the injury proneness of James Conner, and he's also, I think James Conner is entering into a contract year. Uh, he was a rookie in 2017, I think. Um, uh, I'm yeah. yeah. I, I, well, I'm, so I'm guessing. He I'm just finished up his third year. Yep. So I think it. this is, is his last year uh, at, at, in Pittsburgh. So uh, any chance that 
you see someone else taking over that role there or even Pittsburgh going out and finding someone else to fill? Because, you know, historically Pittsburgh is, I mean, under Levy and Bell have been a pretty dominant rushing offense that wants a high-end talent at the position. So do you think that or make any projections towards how that running back room might change in the future? Yeah, I don't know that they'll they'll take a running back this year with with high draft capital. Um, Benny Snell, Benny Snell, I do like as a player. I don't think he has the receiving capability that they want from him unless he works on it. Uh, Jalen Samuels is a guy. Jalen Samuels has a guy that has the receiving talent, but not the rushing talent that they want. Um, so you really are at an impasse where where James Conner has everything you want. He's got the receiving talent. He's got the rushing talent, but He's not able to stay on the field, so it's gonna be it's gonna be really interesting to see. I love I love Benny Snell because I like his running style, um, and I like him as a runner. But I mean, he only averaged three yards uh, per attempt, and uh, just wasn't super efficient. Granted, that's only uh, one tenth of a yard uh, less than James Conner average. So I, I think I think you could see if if. Uh, James Conner goes down again. I think you could see uh, Benny Snell getting some more work because he is the better runner than Jalen Samuels. Um, but his lack of receiving ability, unless he is able to step that up significantly, his lack of receiving ability is going to keep him from being the number one running back there in that offense. So um, if they do draft a running back, this is an incredibly deep running back class. If they do draft a running back, um, I don't know if it will be early. I feel like they have a lot more holes to to fill on that offense than than at the running back position. Um, so so this isn't a, a draft where I expect them to go out and get one early, but it is definitely a concern moving forward. And um, I don't know that that they sign James Conner to a long contract into 2021. They didn't want to do it with Lev Bell, um, so why would they do it with a guy that's more injury prone than Lev Bell? So. That's, that's I 100% agree. I, I think one thing that I want to add, though, I 100% agree with your analysis on the running back room. I think everything you said is spot on, especially about the different talents of the of the different guys. <clears throat> but there's another option here, honestly, and I don't know if either of you guys have thought about this. Um, instead of going getting another running back, just get rid of the running back position and make Mason Rudolph your starting quarterback who also <laughs> runs the ball. And have you thought about that? That would be the worst. No. That would be the, it would be, that would be a disaster. I feel like he could really throw <laughs> some heads around. Yeah, yeah, maybe. <laughs> while while he's throwing the ball, all, you know, opposing defense are throwing down their helmets in shame of how much he's dominating yeah. them. <laughs> I can see that. Uh, no, yeah. Now that you mention it, I can imagine. I can picture helmets it. being thrown. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I so I think. That first, That's another first, hey, another side point on yeah. on that though is Ben Roethlisberger does come back next year. Yes, he does. So that, yeah. I think the, the Pittsburgh True. offense in general will improve. I don't want to get off too big on a on a tangent, but I did want to kind of point that out. Yeah, I would say for perspective, James Conner had fourteen point six points per game, and Josh Jacobs, who we all loved, had fourteen point seven. And so James Conner was a very clear injury bust, but overall, like production wise. The yard the yardage numbers will look terrible, but he scored seven touchdowns, and that speaks to just how valuable he is um, to the team. And I think next year they'll just load him up, knowing that it's his last year. They can just load him up, and so the same concerns we had about Leonard Fournette heading into this season are the ones we have concerns, you know, for James Conner. And I think 
he's primed for a bounce back year in terms of like the risk and the value that that you're able to take with him. Um, so I I would be buying James Conner. I would also say you know James Conner played ten games. Saquon played thirteen games. Saquon finished ten. Saquon is phenomenal. The best generational talent. Boom roasted. So, all of that being said, my vote for biggest bust is Odell Beckham Jr. Had too high hopes for him. He's my vote for biggest bust. Jetpack? Mine too. That one hurt me deep, man. It was so bad. I wanted him. I thought he was going to be the wide receiver one. Yeah, and my, my vote is Odell as well. I do think Lev <laughs> needs to be up there, but I expected Lev to be low. I didn't expect Odell to be um, poor and obviously James Conner is a is an injury bust. So Odell, it was just unacceptable. Uh, and honestly, part of it is Odell, part of it is Baker, part of it is Freddie Kitchens. You know, it's it's like the whole shebang. So Odell, oh, we are two for two. I kind of just want to go and slap him on the butt. You know, kind of give him some motivation. Yeah, nothing yeah. would get me going like that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that driver too that we just heard. All right. Biggest draft value. This one, I think, is where we might have a little bit of variance. We've we've been uh, all three agreeing on the past two, but I think this one we could have a little bit of separation. So, Jetpack, who is your biggest draft value oh for gosh. the 2019 season? Uh, my nominee for the biggest draft value is the biggest running back in NFL history, Derrick Henry. Uh, oh, I did not. I thought you were going to go a different. I thought you were going to do a different candidate. Oh, no, yeah. Well, sorry. you know, it's, you know, we're, we're just spreading the love. You know, we're just naming the nominees. <laughs> we're not picking our choices. Uh, Derrick Henry was a total monster, and you could have got him down there at RB25, RB20 in that range. And he finished the season, depending on how you're playing, he finished the season in the top five um, and was just a total beast down the stretch. I think we all underestimated him. Um, we made some fun jokes about his terrible feet and how he trips over himself behind the line. Um, but the deal is if those holes are being paved, um, that's the kind of elephant you want running through it. So, uh, yeah, I mean, everyone is just in awe of Derrick Henry and what he was able to do to the rest of the NFL. Um, and moving forward, I think he's got some, uh, you know, his big wheels are turning now. He's, um, while not the heaviest He's the the big the biggest combination of height and weight. Uh, did you know you guys know uh, Craig Hayward? He's uh, Cameron Hayward's dad. Is he the guy who um, does the recording for the show? Yes, he's the guy who does the recording for the show. For our he show? was Craig? he was five five eleven two eighty as a running back. That's a that's a good uh, healthy BMI. <laughs> Super healthy BMI. If you're a BMI guy, if BMI matters, then uh, yeah, Craig Hayward. Also, Laron McLean, six foot two sixty. That's not a real person. Laron McLean? Yeah, dude. McLean, no, dude. No. The Ravens John running back. McCain. John yeah. McLean. John McLean. Laron McLean. Laron McLean is literally like the black action star for Die Hard, right there. One hundred percent. That would be such a better Die Hard if if John McLean was Laron McLean. You remember Laron was back there with Ray Rice. Oh man, yeah. 
part of why Ray Rice was so good. Two more, two more big ones for you. Well, three more big, big ones for you. Cookie Gilchrist, six foot three, two hundred fifty-one pounds. Leon he was Hart, really a monster. Cookie, yeah, Cookie was a monster. Cookie monster. Yeah, that's a good. Hey, that's a good one. I see what you did there. Leon Hart, six five, two fifty-seven, and oh lord, he coming big. Dvorsky Lane. <laughs> oh, yeah, dude, Dvorsky Lane. Come on, man. 5'11", 277. Buddy's a D tackle. <laughs> Mainly a fullback. He had one big run for 54 yards. Uh, yeah, that was uh, 71, 71 rushing yards on 17 carries was his NFL career. So he eventually got down to the two fifties, but that did not help his, uh, his running back career there. So um, that's kind of what we're dealing with for the biggest running back in NFL history. Well, so Derek, I, I want to talk Henry's a little best, bit. Best one though. I want to talk a little bit about quite the opposite of that spectrum for biggest draft value. So for me, you know, I don't know if you guys remember my uncle rad coming on the show whenever yeah, he came do. to visit. So my uncle Rod is actually a pretty big Austin Eckler fan. He he really likes him, and I do too. You know, Austin, as my uncle Rad might say, Austin Eckler. <coughs> Austin Eckler was I miss. Know, I miss Uncle Rad, by the way. Only had 130 on. carries, and let me tell you, there is no one in the top 30 running backs who had a mere 130 carries. And Austin Eckler finished RB seven on the season in half point PPR. So how wow. does he do that? How does he only have 130 rushing attempts and finish number seven? Let me tell you, because he had 108 targets, 92 receptions oh, baby. for 993 yards and eight receiving touchdowns. Eight receiving touchdowns. The closest person to him was marking him with five. Almost no other running back in the league had more than four. Austin Eckler is the absolutely dominant receiving running back threat that they needed. And, and he was still able to be – obviously, he was most dominant um, whenever he had the backfield to himself. Before Melvin Gordon finished his you know, tirade against the Chargers that he still didn't even complete. And got, he got you know, missed his buddies. <laughs> All my friends are on the playground without me. And he couldn't just hold out for you know, a little longer to make way more money. No, it's a disaster. Doesn't hold out. He's soft. Comes back, ruins my Austin Eckler value. Not really though, because he was able to still be dominant, still finish running back seven. Absolutely, I think he was number one for the first three or four weeks of the season. I'm just going off the top of my head, but I think no, that's, that's a right. fact. That's a cold hard fact. Yep. Because I, I think he, Christian McCaffrey yeah. struggled in week two or three as well, so I think that really helped. Austin Eckler's value. Obviously, you know, Christian McCaffrey, we'll probably talk about him later in the show, but very dominant. But, you know, Austin Eckler made his living through the air. And I do think that I, I he, he's one guy, he's in a contract year, right? He and Melvin Gordon are both about to finish their contracts, I believe. And you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure they're in the, they have the same contract year. So I'll be really interesting how that moves forward. But I'm pretty, like, I mean, how much do you guys think you had to pay for Austin Eckler? Uh, seventh or an eighth? Nine mil. 
You mean? Oh, you mean? A, a no, 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 not 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 I meant in draft. I meant draft capital. Not not. <laughs> that's a, that's a joke from earlier before we started recording. Jetpack's making fun of me. Well, he uh, Jetpack doesn't know values of running backs, so that's another Pack's, side issue. But Jetpack's out here paying his league mates nine mil for Austin nine, Eckler. A cool, just a cool nine mil, man. You're able to get him in the fifth or sixth rounds. Um, and really, that that didn't even feel that cheap whenever you paid for it. But a lot of people were like, "That's pretty expensive." That's true. Uh, and he ends That's up because because you, your thought was that he was on a time limit. It was and like this I is a reverse I, handcuff, right? Yeah. And it's actually the exact same situation as. And you guys will have to give me the name of the running back. It was a pretty famous running back that took over for Lev Bell at the beginning of the Steelers. He was uh, for the Steelers at the beginning of a season when Lev was um, suspended. D'Angelo Williams. D'Angelo Williams actually in the WWE now. Is he really? Yeah. He's crazy. He's like the smallest guy. D'Angelo Williams versus Gronk ah. would be a really good WWE matchup. Anyways. Oh, D'Angelo Williams would wreck him. I don't <laughs> know about that. But I do. I think you give him a run for his. Anyways, point being, um, Austin Eckler, you're able to get for like a fifth or sixth rounder. Um, maybe even later in some drafts that were earlier, uh, you know, didn't feel as good, but you were able to play him. And for me, as someone who handcuffed Melvin Gordon everywhere with Austin Eckler, I was able to play both Austin Eckler and Melvin Gordon if I wanted to and end up with a pretty productive running back room. So uh, I, th- I think you got a lot of value out of him this year. If I told you that you could get a 13th round pick that would outscore all but three first round picks. I would I be told you stunned. That? It's got to be. St- a, it's got to be like a, a running back or maybe a quarterback yeah. or maybe a receiver. It's got to be. Well, yeah. I mean, it definitely isn't is a tight end. What guy could do this? What 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 guy in the thirteenth round could outscore all but Christian McCaffrey, Ezekiel Elliott, and Pat Mahomes? Lamar Jackson. And I will tell you. It wasn't one guy. (laughs) It was 11 guys. And it was the New England defense and special teams. Oh, yeah. 224 points, more than Nick Chubb, who almost had the rushing title this year, more than Todd Gurley, the guy that is way too late to sell now with his arthritic knees. More than <laughs> David Johnson, second string running back David Johnson, who oh, was the no. number nine pick. More than, oh, no. more, you know, like James Conner, t- more than twice James Conner's point, points. Oh. It was just oh. even, you know, and I think the biggest thing is New England defense, they weren't injured for any games. They were healthy the wow. entire season. That's you know? true. You, you never had a game except for the bye week where you're like, oh, shoot. My New England defense is injured. I can't put them in the game. No, you, you can play them every week. And they play the Dolphins twice. Like, just right there, you're like, oh, wow, that's that's probably 50 points. You know, you're just playing just playing the Dolphins And, when they, and the, when they play twice. the Bills, they're going to get, like, six turnovers too. So Yeah, play the Bills. And that's like, oh, there's, there's 100 of our points right there. In four games. And so right there, you know that you're halfway to playoffs just from the New England defense. So New England defense had to be the best draft value. I mean, they're, they're outperforming first-round picks. You're getting them in, in the 13th round. 
now now Do you people see that are changing next year, Rish. Uh, I mean, defenses are definitely in flux constantly. Right. You very rarely are. see. Very rarely. Well, one, one thing see... I would say. Go ahead. One thing I would say is that you're not going to see a lot of changes on the offenses in the AFC East. Nope. You're not going to see any change of the coordinator. You're definitely not going to see much changes from Miami. You're not going to change, see a change in offense coordinator or offensive scheme from the Jets. Now, the Bills' offense is actually kind of good. Uh, you guys hated on me for all my Josh Allen love. Well, F you guys. Josh Allen's freaking good. Yeah, I mean, you're going to get to that later. Get, the ball get, on our yeah. team. You're going to go all point, in just, on You that. see what I'm saying? Like, I think that and he still will turn over the ball, so it's still good for your Patriots defense. So I, 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 I'm curious if the Patriots defense is one of the few defenses that you can say might be sustainable. Thoughts? Could be. I think it's going to come down to who the Dolphins draft at quarterback. Uh, because Wait, if they you're going to stay with Josh Rosen? Or Ryan Fitzmagic? They could stay with Fitzmagic. But, I mean, what if they get Tua? And all of a sudden you have Tua tossing the rock to, to Preston Williams and uh, new uh, – was it Randy Moss they had? Oh, no, sorry, uh, Devontae Parker. Oh, bold. <laughs> bold. Yeah, bold take. Bold take. Good but you did one. see a couple – you did see a couple uh, – he, he, was, he was for sure on you got mossed. But, uh, yeah, I think New England's got a shot, though, all that being said. <laughs> uh, it's – they were just so dominant. Um, would you take them in the first round? I would. Yeah, absolutely. Do you know what they say? Forward. The best ability is reliability. And that's what the Patriots was, defense has. Shut up, you guys. Thought it was so they're kidding. They're kidding. They're not games. Serious. 16 games. Listen. They are not did you get six? Did you get sixteen games on Saquon Barkley? I don't want people to Rich, go and record. Did you make this the playoffs? Put it on Twitter <laughs> right, easy, easy, easy. with Z, Saquon Barkley. Z, no, you didn't. You easy. missed the playoffs. You had Saquon Barkley. If you had the Patriots, you better believe you won the Dude, championship. I missed the playoffs everywhere. I don't want to talk about it except for like <laughs> one league. I think I missed playoffs in three of my four leagues. I don't want to talk about it. Um, <laughs> It was anyway. really close to you. There wasn't anywhere that I was like really out of. I think I was like one spot out of playoffs in almost every league. It's a very, very depressing season. We'll get anyway, to it. We'll get to it. New England defense was phenomenal this season. And out of all the draft values, I think they were the biggest draft steal. So they have my vote for biggest draft value. Brooks, who's your biggest draft value? If you get a top seven running back in the sixth round, you did something right. And if you had him be able to be the number one running back through the first, whatever, four or so weeks, I don't know how long Melvin actually held out. It was like four or six weeks. If you're able to get that out of him, I, I, I'd still stick with Austin Eckler. And I, I get it's a front load versus back load because Derrick Henry was kind of backloaded. But for me, it's, it's got to be Austin Eckler. Yeah, I, I love Austin Eckler. Like he finished RB three in PPR formats and was useful with Melvin Gordon. Like he didn't ever really lose consistency, and that was like freaking sick from Eckler. Actually, um, I'm going with the Pats, of course, because they're the 2020 So, I mean, to keep it simple. Oh my God. I thought you were going to do it at the beginning too. That's why I kept groaning uh, whenever we started the segment. <laughs> you kept teeing something up, and I was like, "Ah, oh, you're going to talk about the Pats, D." <sighs> Let's not. get into right. uh, 
well, let's get into waiver pickup of the year. Um, I'm gonna start with my guy, who I thought actually was the best rookie wide receiver, uh, and that's Terry McLaurin, who came out hot in Week One against the Eagles, dropping 125 yards and a touchdown, uh, and would continue to have a pretty solid season. Um, and a guy that a lot of people missed because guess what? He didn't have the college market share that they wanted to see. And so obviously that matters a lot. And so I'm probably going to, I don't know, sell him because he wasn't good in college. I don't know. Whatever. You pick him up off waivers. He's a total stud. Finished the season at PPR, uh, points per game wise. He finished the season as a wide receiver too. That's a hit. Um, I'm a big Terry McLaurin fan. I love him moving forward. And honestly, guys, for me, there's not a lot separating him and Stefan Diggs in terms of who you see as athletes, what they're capable of doing on the field. I think the biggest difference is actually just hand size. And so maybe consistency of hands, you see that a little bit. Uh, Terry needs to grow there a little bit more. But, I, you know, I love him moving forward. And I think he's the true wide receiver one uh, that you want to see on his team. And uh, Diggs, like comparison-wise, is, is what you're aiming for. A couple of thousand-yard seasons, a couple wide or two years, maybe a possible wide receiver one in the future. I, I love love Terry McLaurin. He's I think he's so good. Like you watch him, you watch him on film, and and you you first you see that he's an incredible athlete, but then you actually watch him on film, and you're like, wow, this guy this guy's not only a good athlete, but he can ball. Um, and the first real insight we had into that was hearing some interviews that he had in training camp where he was breaking down the offense, um, and he articulated it so well, and and that his understanding of the game was just at a higher level than most rookie wide receivers. So that kind of gave us a clue into to who Terry McLaurin was. Um, my nominee for waiver pickup of the year was a guy that I just mentioned beforehand. He uh, he was just finally got his confidence um, halfway through the season. And he's a guy that we've been waiting on and waiting on and waiting on. And Devontae Parker finally broke out. I think you need one you know, more waiting on. Just, oh, just wait, you know, to match the years on. that you waited. Devontae Parker finally broke out. Can we get a round of applause for Devontae Parker? Oh, I will not. Oh, yeah. Hey, good job. Good job. Wait that long. Devontae like, Parker clap? finally like broke out. It's like a clap for somebody who shows up late. It's like, eh. The 14th overall pick. And he, he finally did it. And he's a guy that in uh, shorter bench leagues was just kind of left by the wayside. You're never going to never get going to get production out of him. Undrafted rookie wide receiver Preston Williams is is showing out. And Devontae Parker just watching his fellow teammates have success. And then all of a sudden he's like, you know what? I'm sick of this. What, what, was, that, what was that stuff he was drinking? I'm sick of this Yoo-Hoo drinking chocolate milk not knowing how to take care of my body. I'm going to go out and show everybody what a man I am. And he just goes out and starts manhandling defensive backs. And uh, he played, had a really good game against one of the best corners in the league, Stephon Gilmore. Um, so Devontae Parker, if you had him on your roster, he came on late in the season um, as there were, were injuries and inconsistent wide receiver play. He really came on. He was a boon to your team. Uh, so he is my nomination for waiver pickup of the year. Brooks, take us into yours. Yeah, for me, it's going to have to be someone that Jetpack really touted in the offseason as a deep sleeper at the tight end position. And I, I'm trying to give him kudos because I really was unfamiliar with Darren Waller before Jetpack. 
turned me on to him. And I ended up taking him in a few leagues because uh, I, first of all, really respect Jetpack's uh, opinion. I don't really scout a ton of tight ends. It's really not a position I enjoy scouting because there's a lot of boring blocking to watch. That's not fancy relevant. It's fun <laughs> if you understand like offenses and you're wanting to break down offense and break down and do analysis of of running back or excuse me, running schemes or whatever. But it's really not a fun position to scout. So when in doubt, listen to Jetpack. Uh, but Darren Waller did not disappoint, boys. He ends up tied at number three, uh, 1,150 yards. Excuse me. Let me make sure that I read that right. 1,145 yards, three tutties. He actually had a really high number of receptions too. 90 receptions on, I think it's 100 and, 117 targets. 90 receptions at the tight end position is really, really high. And it's part of that is the way the Raiders utilize the tight end position in their offense. A yeah. lot of short passes, three like uh, maybe negative or to three yards type passes in these flat routes. Uh, a lot of these boots or rollouts and stuff to be able to get them in space. Part of it, part of it too, is he was their best wide receiver. And that's absolutely true. I mean, when you have Zay Jones on the roster, uh, you, you have some issues. But, you know, Darren Waller also is really good. I mean, Tyrell Williams is is good. I mean, I don't know what I would trade Tyrell Williams for. Maybe uh, maybe Second. we can talk about that later. Um, but you know, Darren Waller was <laughs> really really good. And these people, and I've seen a lot of people on Twitter be like, Darren Waller's a fluke. Uh, Derek Carrier or someone else, some other tight end is going to take over. Those people are not as good as scouts as Jetpack Galileo. Let me tell you, first of all. Second of all, they're morons. They didn't. They didn't watch that team. Derek Carrier is not meant to be used in that type of role. If you watch them, that is not how he is utilized typically. Also, Darren Waller was dealing with an injury, pretty minor one, so it doesn't affect you in dynasty. Um, <clears throat> but it is something to to also take into consideration as far as how other people creep in. So you got a ton of value. You didn't spend anything. You, no one. I mean, maybe some people did, but not really anyone drafted Darren Waller. And if you were able to get him on waivers early in the season. You were very happy, and, and he may have won you some leagues. My question for you is, does his value change as the Raiders inevitably draft uh, a wide receiver that they can rely on? No, not really, because... So so the thing would be, Tyrell Williams was brought in to be a tandem receiver with Antonio Brown. The idea is that First of all, they don't have a quarterback. So uh, as long as they have, I mean, they do in quite quite a literal sense, they have a quarterback. But in a more figurative sense, they do not. And I also think from a schematic standpoint, we've seen the tight end position before Darren Waller was there be extremely productive and successful in that offense. And they did have a, a receiver at that time, mind you. They, they had uh, Amari Cooper. So I, I do think that there's definitely a potential for some drop-off and it, but I think the issue is that it's always going to be reliant on the quarterback and the quarterback's decision making in that offense because he is a check down. I mean, when you're receiving the ball, when you're getting a catch between negative one and three yards, you were a check down. I mean, there's no doubt. People, offenses don't build passing plays to throw for uh, zero yards. That's just not that's not how play design works. It's, a, it's always a check down. So I think that is a part of why he's had success. I think the more that uh, not only if they end up with another receiver, but they're able to use a certain rookie running back, Josh Jacobs, more in the passing game, I think that'll also have a, a moderate effect on the tight end production. But regardless, I still think Darren Waller's really good, guys. 
really, really good. And you definitely, for this year at least, you got a lot of value out of picking him up, picking him up off of waivers. Definitely someone I would hold on to if I were an owner, but, you know. He's, yeah, I mean, a, he's his, a good player. His, historically speaking, 1,000-yard tight ends don't disappear. They just don't. Uh, that's not – I wouldn't say that's necessarily true because I would say there's another – tight end that kind of peaked at about 27 28 a uh you know a washington redskin that i was a big fan of jordan reed who <laughs> i would say did drop off pretty dramatically yeah. but yeah. no i agree with <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. but that one was definitely more specifically injury related yes. yeah. <laughs> and you you also saw shanahan leave so i think that there's a combination of effects that had uh, that caused the downfall of jordan reed but I think that those factors are not the factors that led to Jordan Reed's downfall are not present with Darren Waller, right? You're not going to see a regime change in Oakland right now. You're not going to. Um, that ownership loves that coaching staff. They're about to move to Wild. Oakland, or excuse me, they're about to move to Las Vegas. Uh, they're not going to be any changes there. And, and I think the only issues that I would be concerned with, I, I agree with your receiver take. Uh, I also would consider quarterback change being maybe interesting. Uh, but I, I wouldn't be as worried about the running back thing that I mentioned, but I do think it's a, a little factor. So I think those little changes could result in a slight decrease, but not enough that I'm concerned about him, and especially in such a thin position group. Yeah, yeah I think he's definitely he's involved some, in himself. Uh, he's due for some positive TD regression. I mean, three touchdowns. I could see that moving to six. Uh, his 1,100 yards might come down to like 900, so he might have a nice season of six touchdowns, 900 yards, but – that's kind of what I'm looking at for Darren Waller. Very happy with that. That's Zach Ertz esque. Still tight end, tight end one, very solidly. Um, so especially with those reception numbers, the reception numbers is also going to carry you in your half point and full point PPRs. Who do you have for your vote for waiver pickup of the year? I'm gonna. St- it's hard to do Terry McLaurin because he just wasn't consistent. Um, so I'll, I'll go with your boy Devonte Parker, man. That, that yeah. Was a good wow. Although yeah. I, I like I like Terry McLaurin more as a receiver. I will say that. Who do you want more in Dynasty between the two? Terry McLaurin. Okay. So if you were uh, if we're talking Dynasty, you got Terry McLaurin as your uh, waiver pickup, or even a keeper league. If you're talking just seasonal. Devontae Parker for you. All right, Jetpack, who you got? I got Darren Waller. Tight end three, that's elite. Great pickup. The other guys, not elite. Devontae Parker was elite. Well, towards the end of the season. Yeah. Um, Devontae Parker had like, he had like four or five hundred plus yard games. He had from week, I mean, I think, I think when I'm looking at, uh, when I'm looking at, like when you're getting him on waivers from game seven to 17 from weeks uh, or sorry, from uh, from weeks 11 to 17. So in a seven game stretch, he, he averaged over a hundred yards. So he had 733 yards and five touchdowns in that seven game stretch. So if you had him, he was, he won you, he won you a lot of games. He was excellent during the playoffs. He had, in playoffs, he had uh, if you're if you're a, a week 16 championship, he had 111 yards and a touchdown. Um, week 15 in your semifinals, he had 72 uh, yards receiving and two touchdowns. You know, he only had one down week in 
out of out of those seven weeks or, or yeah he only had one down week out of those seven weeks so it's, it's got to be Devonte parker for me as far as uh that that waiver pickup he was he was just so so good um to close out the season but we do have two uh we do have two honorable mentions both Kenyon drake and dj quickly. chark Kenyon drake and dj chark jetpack you're a big Kenyon Drake guy, and uh, give us give us your thoughts on why he's he's an honorable mention here. Yeah, man, give him the ball; he's electric. He's dropped two thirty point games, like was fantastic. Um, yeah, big Kenyon Drake fan moving forward. I think they resign him and all that stuff. He's a guy. Really, yeah, I think he definitely has that shot. Really, resigned. I don't see why you wouldn't. That's interesting. Uh, so DJ Chark, we 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 threw him in here as a you know another um, uh, waiver pickup of the year potential candidate, but because we included, ooh, I can't speak, guys, included him in the second to third year blast off, we didn't want to double double down. But I do think you know if you picked up DJ Chark, you are not disappointed. He did phenomenal, very dominant. Uh, we already talked about him, so I don't need to get into him too much more. Now. We have the final award, the league MVP. We have three candidates, and all three are are really excellent. But um, but we can only pick one MVP. So, Brooks, who is your nomination for the league MVP? Right for me, it's it's got to be Christian McCaffrey. Uh, Christian McCaffrey enters the season. As a guy, I was trying to make sure I had as in as many startup leagues as possible over the last two years, uh, and we saw him have a little bit of struggle at the very, very beginning of the season, and then them fix that real quick. And, and you're able to see Christian McCaffrey have success without Cam Newton. Uh, I think that's phenomenal. Uh, so Chris McCaffrey comes in. I mean, Jeff Pack, help me with the statistics here. I know that he set. Did he set a new record for most fancy points produced from the running back position? Is that correct? Uh, the youngest most. So he's top five all time, um, but he's only 23 years old. So that is the highest amount of volume um, produced from a anybody under 25 years old. The difference between he and Derrick Henry, Derrick Henry being second highest amount of points scored at the running back position with 75, actually 80 fancy points. 80. Goodness. 80. It's a difference of four points per game. His difference between he and then, you know, Mark Ingram, for example, number, or excuse me, let's, let's go with, uh, let's go with Chris Carson. Okay. Chris Carson finished number nine. I thought Chris Carson had a really great year. Uh, very excited for him. Uh, ends up with 13 points per game at number nine, running back nine. Christian McCaffrey scored almost 10 more points per game than him. That's a lot. That's a huge positional advantage, guys. Huge positional gap. <laughs> I think that's what made Christian McCaffrey's season so special is that, and also just having a thousand, thousand yard season, thousand yard rushing, thousand yards receiving. Barely ever fumbles. I only had one fumble on the year. Didn't even lose it. It was a fumble that they, the Panthers regained. Had 141 targets. That's more than Austin Eckler. And you guys know I'm a big Austin Eckler fan. Eckler. Eckler. 
uh, you know, the thing, I mean, he's just so dominant. He, he, when you watch him, he, he's his vision and his ability to um, close the gap and then defeat tacklers is is honestly next level. Uh, I, I think that he does make a very strong argument for rivaling Saquon for that number one overall dynasty pick. I still would lean Saquon personally because of my own personal bias towards Saquon as a, as a talent. But I, I do think that you can make a very valid and fair argument that Christian McCaffrey is equal, if not better, moving forward. Christian McCaffrey for MVP. That's a great call. Um, he's, I mean, if you had him on your team, 99.999% of teams that had yeah, him. Yeah, okay, so let's go on playoffs. to the next MVP. Uh, <laughs> who got the next MVP? So the next MVP you briefly mentioned was Derrick Henry. And uh, next MVP candidate, Derrick Henry was unfreaking real at the end of the season. And he's not a guy that I was high on to, to begin with. He's a guy that that I really don't love his style of play. I think he he's lacking in a lot of areas, but he had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. 100 yard rush game. So, I mean, that's in that's of his uh, of the 19 uh, weeks that that they played. So in in, uh, 18 games, he had um, almost half. He reached 100 yards. He did not have the receiving totals that Christian McCaffrey did, but he led the NFL in rushing. It was unbelievable. Of his 100 yard rush games, only three were under 150. Right, he had one at, at 149 yards rushing, but he had uh, he he had half of his half of his 100 yard games were over 150, and he even had a 200 yard rush game with three touchdowns, and that's in week 17. So you just missed your uh, your fantasy championship there, but uh, but I mean Derrick Henry was incredible this season running the ball. There was there was no one better. And he was he was just so consistent as well. He had uh, he had how many how many touchdowns? I'm, I'm missing the stat here. Uh, sixteen touchdowns. So sixteen touchdowns, fifteen hundred yards. Um, it, it was just such a sight to see. Still finished with two hundred receiving yards. So he had uh, seventeen hundred yards total um, on the season, and. When you when you look at a guy that's just absolutely dominant, he's he was a force. Like his stiff arm ended guys' careers, you know. And I, I just while while Christian McCaffrey was slightly more dynamic, Derrick Henry, when when you saw him on the field, he was that entire offense in certain games. They they gave him the ball and he was the entire offense. So um Derrick Henry, an awesome MVP candidate. Uh, Jetpack, who do you have for your nomination for the MVP? This is the big one. Lamar Jackson uh, with 27.7 points per game has the greatest quarterback season of all time. And it happens just so that he's the greatest quarterback is that he's really just a running back. Uh, And so, you know, there it is. It it makes sense. Uh, I think we're all... He's not just a running back. Shut we're, we're up. All, you can't say that jokingly and then just brush it off without making like amends with him because he proved you wrong this season. That is not true. And all the people that said that 
can go sit on a thump. We were uh, very impressed with uh, Lamar. And, and I think what, what stands out um, about his value so much is that he was quarterback 14 in, in terms of ADP. So you got him real late um, and was a total stud, best quarterback ever. Um, and those 36 touchdowns and 3,000 yards passing was uh, phenomenal. Um, really standing out there. I, for me, I, like my proudest moment is almost nailing all of uh, Lamar's preseason rushing goals. Um, I hit the, I said about 180 targets or one, uh, sorry, 180 carries and he hit 176. Um, I said, uh, he would lead the lead. He would break Michael Vick's rushing record. He did that. Um, so yeah, I'm like, I'm loving this Lamar Jackson guy. Very impressed. What, what was your take on how many passing yards he I had no idea. Oh, Not okay. a clue. Not the cool. faintest clue. I, I think we were aiming for, okay, like no, 3,000 3, yards. No. Then mm. let's put him with like Colin Kaepernick, 3,000 no. yards, right? That's where we had him. I and said that. I, I said that. And you can make the Brooks, joke. That Colin Brooks, Kaepernick, we, we, have, we have the podcast recorded. Let's do it. Let's Colin Kaepernick is the comparison the whole time. Colin Kaepernick, Trent Taylor, those are your comparisons. 36 touchdowns is absurd. Tyrod Taylor and Colin Kaepernick are hitting 20 touchdowns, and that's kind of where I had him. 36 is unbelievable. So that's where he really stands out. 36 touchdowns was huge. The what you you called him you a have guy. that many. You did no joking, not jokingly in the offseason. I, yeah, I said Josh would, Allen. I said and Lamar he would be an were guys that I wanted to focus on taking late. That's baloney. You're full of crap, bro. Yeah, I said a very improved version. You're also saying like I was talking down about making him sound like he was going to be a you know a low end ex Niners kneeler. Like I, I had I said that that with the pretense of him being an improved version of that. Uh, with the and I was making the comparison based on the read option running game, like the capacity for him to do read options at a high level, just like Colin Kaepernick did, just like Michael Vick did. Yeah, yeah. So, we're, you know, we were all in agreement high, about who he was you know, preseason. Everybody agreed. You made fun of me for making that call. Brooks, you had him you ranked the same place I did. <laughs> the rankings are all the same. We can go back and no, look. My point, my point is just that you mocked the comparison. I said he's going to be an improved version of Colin Kaepernick. He's going to be able to run the read option at a high level. And you're full of crap, and I'm sick of it. I'm absolutely sick. I spit at you. I spit at you. <laughs> I, uh, can I say uh, a fun stat is that his fumbles, despite his increase in rushing attempts, his fumbles decreased by three. Three less fumbles this year. That's impressive. It's a good stat there, Rish. 24. That's the difference between Lamar Jackson and Jameis Winston. That number. That's nuts. That 24. Nuts. What do you think um, that's number of? 24. That's crazy. Is that, was that interceptions? <laughs> yeah, 20. <laughs> that's <laughs> the difference between interceptions. interceptions. That's the interceptions. That's nuts. He only threw six. Lamar Jackson only threw six interceptions to Jameis Winston's 30. Yeah, pretty good. Pretty good for a running back. I'm very confident now in Lynn Bowden Jr. and where he's going to go. So, oh, yeah. Got to get excited about that. Lynn I Bowden Jr., 101. Pat's defense, 102. Oh Lynn Bowden's going to be so sick. Lynn, Bowden, Lynn Bowden's going to be awesome. Who, who's your MVP? Besides the Patriots defense, Jetpack, who's your MVP? I'm going with Lamar Jackson. So proud of that guy. Super awesome to see. Revolutionized game. Rich, what about you? 
one's this one's tough for me, but I'm gonna go Christian McCaffrey. I think I think when you get that kind of running back production, you're almost guaranteed playoffs. Shut up. All right. So I told said you earlier about 80 <laughs> points. That was the differential between um you know first pick uh Christian McCaffrey and the number two, excuse me, the number one running back Christian McCaffrey to I think it was Derrick Henry. Uh, so the difference between Lamar Jackson and the number two quarterback is actually about 80 fancy points as well. But you could get Lamar Jackson for nothing. So he probably went undrafted in a lot of leagues. So I, for me, that, that makes you the MVP. I mean, that's phenomenal value that you're able to get. If you're able to hit the nail on the head with Lamar Jackson. You are winning leagues no matter what. Whereas if you maybe took CMC, maybe you don't make playoffs. I don't know. <laughs> uh. 